You're listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with host Jennifer Mattern. Helping serious freelancers, bloggers, and indie authors go pro. Hello and welcome. I'm Jen Mattern, your host of the All Indie Writers Podcast. Thank you for joining me today for episode number seven. You can find show notes and links to resources mentioned in this episode by visiting allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash seven. In today's episode, I will be joined by guest co-host and friend, Lori Widmer, who runs the Words on the Page blog, which you can find at wordsonpageblog.com. Lori is a freelance writer specializing in the insurance industry, in addition to being a blogger, an ebook author, and a recently published poet. Lori and I are going to talk about the importance of marketing your writing on a regular basis, including some tips on how you can squeeze smaller marketing tactics into your schedule even when you feel like you're too busy. While we'll talk specifically about marketing freelance writing services, authors and bloggers would also benefit from a similar approach and some of the tips that we're going to talk about. Lori will then briefly tell you about her ebook, Marketing 365, which you can find a link to on her blog or by visiting allindiewriters.com slash marketing365, where you will automatically be redirected to her ebook page on Smashwords. And by the way, that's not an affiliate link of any kind. I simply set up a redirect to make it easier for you to access it. And then Lori and I are going to close out the show together by answering a question about blogging and article writing pay rates and how they not only are different from each other, but how they can stack up against copywriting fees. And now we're going to switch over to my pre-recorded chat with Lori. Let's get started. Welcome, Lori. Thank you for joining me today. As I mentioned in the last podcast episode's show notes, Lori is one of three writers that I consider my go-to gals. She is a good friend, one of my favorite writer folk. And she has a book, an ebook called Marketing 365. And she's here today to talk about marketing your writing every day and some of the ways that we can squeeze more marketing in, even the little things when we don't think we have time. So welcome, Lori. Thank you. Hey. Hey, thanks for having me, Jen. Appreciate it. Lori, let's start by talking about why you think it's important to market your writing regularly and consistently. A lot of people have, make the mistake of putting out their shingle and saying, I'm a freelance writer. And that's great. But if no one knows you're there, uh, you've pretty much just talked to the wall because you really do have to market. You have to tell people, I exist. I have something of value that you need and hire me. So, Lori, what would you say to a writer who says that they're too busy to market right now? You know, they're too busy with gigs. We all go through this feast-famine cycle, and everybody knows that it's the feast-famine cycle. One day you're working and you've got five projects, and the next day you're sitting there with nothing. And... If you're marketing every day, you're at least doing something to reduce your downtime. So if if you're not marketing every day, you're going to be sitting and sometimes you could sit for months with no work. Once you're in one of those famine cycles, it's, you know, it's too late to start marketing to fill it. Sometimes it takes weeks or months for your marketing activities today to pay off in a gig. So yeah, when you're busy, you want to be marketing so that when that potential slow time comes, hopefully it doesn't. You're going to line things up ahead of time. 
a lot of the myths I hear is that it is hard, that it takes a lot of planning, and that there's only one way to market, which I'll get to in a minute. And a lot of people think that the payoff just isn't worth it. You know, they contact a client one time, or a potential client, I should say, they contact them one time and think, oh, well, they didn't write back or they didn't answer my call, therefore they're not interested. And that's not always the case. Sometimes it's that they're not interested at that moment. Now, you were talking about different types of marketing. Now, I know that, you know, I consider you the LOI queen, letters of introduction. (laughs) Um, You're more of the direct pitching type, whereas I actually have a very different style of marketing that I call Mm -hmm. very free freelancing, which is all about building a platform and networking and basically being found, you know, just making myself visible so that potential clients find me instead of me finding them. And when you get to the point where you're maintaining that kind of demand, that's great. But at the same time, you know, that doesn't work for every type of writing to the same degree. Right. You, know, you want to work with magazines, obviously querying and all is still a traditional marketing. Mm-hmm. And with certain types of business writing, you're going to want to focus on things like cold calling, which Peter Bowerman has an excellent book that covers fairly in depth, um, The Well-Fed Writer, which we've right. referred on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and- I, I do think that goes back to, to my point that people do think that there's only one way to market. And maybe that comes from some of these gurus, and that doesn't include Peter because I think his book is fantastic. Some people who are marketing their wares are actually saying this is the only way to do it. And exactly. if you want to make money, you must do it that way. And it's not true because we are different people. We have different needs and we have different clients. Exactly. And as a result, there isn't one way to market. There, there are so many ways to market, and some of them will fit, some of them won't. And, you know, I think it comes down to a little bit of fear, too. We have so many oh, writers yeah. who think of pitching, you know, the direct pitching style marketing, to be so salesy. They don't want to feel like they're selling themselves. And exactly. you know, that's why I found something that works for me. And, again, that's not going to work for everybody. Just like querying is not going to work for everybody. You can mix and match. There's no reason you can't do both. Right. It's all about finding specific tactics that work for you mm-hmm. and figuring out what influences your particular target market. Once you yeah. do that, you're golden. Yeah, and I think you, you mentioned it too, Jen. Marketing is just a part of sales. And and it is a part of the sales process, but it's more of the awareness raising part. As you found out in the method that you use, they come to you. You don't go to them and sell to them constantly. You just build that relationship and build that bridge. And I think that comes from the fact that I have a background in public relations. Right. So the relationship Mm -hmm. building, that all comes naturally. Visibility, that comes naturally. And I think that's something, unfortunately, we don't hear a lot about in the freelance world. People don't talk about PR and how it differs from marketing and mm-hmm. and no for the record it's not a subset of marketing no um, not at all big no. pet peeve of mine <laughs> um, I, I understand believe me <laughs> there are similarities but they are not one and the same um, close, no. but yeah if you take some if you, you're not comfortable with direct sales look into pr look into building mm-hmm. visibility and relationships in that way look into other types of marketing there mm-hmm. is always something that you can do that's going to suit your personality, suit your client base. And yeah, I agree. Yeah. There are big tactics, of course, campaigns that you could run, but there mm-hmm. are little things you can do every day. Right. And it's really, you know, the key takeaway, I think, today is going to be that 
it's not always about doing something big, but it's about building a habit. Marketing mm-hmm. has to be a habit. It can't be something that you just do when you happen to remember to do it. Oh, absolutely. I I have always said if you market consistently, something will happen. You don't have to have the most stellar marketing plan on the planet. You have to have a consistent marketing plan. I mean, it doesn't hurt to have a good marketing plan. or probably better. Yeah. But even a very rudimentary one will hit a mark eventually. There, people don't take the time to write down what it is they want to do. And it doesn't take reams of paper. It doesn't take a ton of time. It takes, hey, here's, a, here's something I might want to try. Let me schedule that. Let me see exactly how often I should be doing that. And, and then just applying it. Exactly. And cheap plug here. Um, I actually have a one-page marketing plan template for people who want yes, to take do. a quick format. <laughs> um, and now I, you know, it's not something I suggest doing by itself. But if you don't have time to do a, a longer marketing plan and really in depth, it is a place to start. And you can find that at the resources page at allindywriters.com/resources. And I have used that. It is a great resource. Also, a one-page business plan there. It's just chock full of of good stuff. (laughs) There's a lot of good stuff there. I agree. Thank you. But, yeah. But, I mean, as I was saying before, it doesn't take a long time to build a marketing plan. It doesn't take a lot of energy to implement it. In fact, I have said for a long time on my blog and with other writers, when they ask me about marketing, I say, if you spend 15 minutes a day marketing, that's more than you would do if you just sat and thought about it. 15 minutes to me is enough to reach out to a few clients, maybe to write one really stellar query letter or letter of introduction, or just make a few phone calls. And, you know, I've caught flack for that in the past by some writers who say, oh, no, you have to put hours into it. I have never put hours into my marketing, not hours in one sitting, maybe hours over the span of a month. It works, and and what works for me can work for other people. I'm not saying they should do it that way, but I I like to contact at least one client a day, one potential client a day, so that's two people per day that I'm contacting. And, you know, if if that works for you, great. If not, if you want to try five people a day, go for it. If you think one or two people a week is all you can muster, do that. Exactly. You need to find what works for you. If that person needed hours to write a single query letter to land a Mm -hmm. gig, that's fine. But it doesn't mean that they should put that on anybody else. You know, just like you're not telling anybody, oh, well, if it takes you longer than 15 minutes, something's wrong with you. You Mm -hmm. didn't say that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You can do it in 15 minutes. And if it takes them hours, that's fine. Do whatever you have to do as long as what you're doing is landing you gigs with the target market you're trying to reach. Exactly. And and I also advocate creating several points of contact. You may initially send an email out introducing yourself to a potential client, but why not follow them on Twitter or on Facebook or LinkedIn? Uh, join a group that they're in in LinkedIn. Uh, find a way to get in front of them, not not in the annoying stalker kind of way, but <laughs> you know, one or two points of contact that show that client that you're interested in their market, you're interested in their business, and you're involved in what they're doing in some way. 
Okay, so Laura, you've given a few great examples already for things that people can do, even if they only have 15 minutes during the day. Um, I'd like to just share a few, you know, that come from the query-free side of things. You mm -hmm. already covered social media. You know, it's just about getting on those networks, setting up a profile, posting, connecting, following the mm -hmm. target clients that you have. You can also post to a client-focused blog. That is something where there's no direct sales involved. So if you're uncomfortable with that, you know, blogging regularly is a great marketing tactic. It helps you share your authority in your niche or industry that you're specializing in. But it's also fantastic for search engine optimization. Regularly updated content is one of the best ways to stay on top in Google. If you can do that for the search terms that your target clients are using, when they need to find a writer like you, then why would you not do that? You know, I've seen people say, oh, you shouldn't have a blog. That's absolutely ridiculous. Don't let anybody discourage you from it. It's an amazing marketing tactic. It pays off so much over time too. It's not a quick fix, but it's so valuable over time. And I think one of the things, my big pet peeve here is that the people who tend to tell other writers not to blog are often writers who are making money from blogging. Blogging, exactly. <laughs> so, so we can see where their motivation is. Right? So I don't know what that's about, if they're trying to minimize competition in their particular specialty area <laughs> or or what it is, or if they're just trying to be contrary to drum up some attention, but it's terrible advice. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's no reason not to start a blog on your professional site Give it a try. It's not like it's a big investment up front. And see how you feel with it. You know, Even if you don't like the idea initially, see if it helps. It might help. If it doesn't help, by all means, stop mm -hmm. and start focusing on something else. There's only so many hours in a day, you know, but you have to pick and choose. But don't dismiss blogging or any particular marketing tech. You know, I don't promote querying, but I certainly would never mm -hmm. discourage someone from writing query letters. So exactly. you keep your options open. It, right, and it's a, it is about what's going to fit. And you made a very good point right there, too. Whenever somebody tries something that isn't working, often they don't know when to stop. And I say if you're not seeing results within three months of trying something, I wouldn't stop completely, but I would add something else to the mix. And then in six months, reevaluate to see if that method you started six months prior is working. And if not, then you may want to rethink it entirely. Or rethink your messaging, because oftentimes the problem is you're not hitting the audience with the right message. That's a very good point. Sometimes it's not the tactic, it's what we're doing with it. Mm -hmm. And this isn't just for new freelance writers either. This is, you know, no matter how long you've been at this, you have to go back and look at your marketing. You have to test. You have to try new things over time. I do it every quarter. I go back and I reevaluate everything I've been doing and I see, do I want to continue with this or not? And mm -hmm. so we all we all need to do it to some degree. It's not oh, just yeah. not just new writers, but <laughs> get in the habit as early as you can, and that's you won't right. waste years doing something that just isn't working for you. Well, that's right. And you know, I like to call one client a week. I like to pick up the phone, give them a call, say hello. And, you know, if phone isn't your thing, try email. Try emailing one client that you've worked with in the past and say, how's things going? What do you need from me? How can I help you? It, it doesn't mean you're going to get a job, but it means you've got your name 
right back in front of that person. And when something comes up, you might be the first one they think of. That is so important. It, it's not all about instant results. Mm-hmm. And once exactly. you once you get around that concept of it's okay to do something and not see immediate results because you might later, mm-hmm. it's it's really right. freeing. It is. And I've had that happen. In one case, I had met a client at a trade show and we spoke about my doing some work for them. This was in April. I was still contacting them in October and they had not responded to me. And I thought, oh, this is this is going nowhere. But I kept at it. They called me in January. Nice. So, you know, sometimes it just takes time for them to to get up to speed. Sometimes they don't have a project for you right away. Exactly. And that that contract itself netted me twenty four thousand dollars. So mm-hmm. it it was well worth waiting for. And you made a really good point. It is about building a relationship. When marketing, in my opinion, starts with relationship relationship building. It it's about getting to know someone showing them that you know their business, and offering to help. That doesn't mean they're going to take your help. But, you know, it's it's little things like sending them Google alerts for something that relates to their industry or showing them the latest article you wrote that has something to do with their industry. It, It shows that you understand them and that you can help them in some way. Now here's okay. I want to share one one more tip for people who are saying that they have no time for marketing at all. <laughs> if you really absolutely cannot wrap your head around the idea of doing something that you feel like salesy today, <laughs> pick up a book, sit your ass down, read a book on marketing, read a Amen. blog on marketing, <laughs> learn something new, look at your competitors' websites. You know, just browse around, see what they've been writing recently, see what they're doing to market themselves just ingest information that can help you make better decisions, that is still marketing. I agree. So read, 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 read. And and you know what? I'm going to call bullshit on the I don't have time to market thing because everyone has time to market. And it starts with changing one bad habit. And for me, it was Facebook. If I had the time back that I wasted on Facebook for marketing, I would be swimming in dough right now. But it, it it's just finding that one time sink, like checking your email every five minutes or, you know, going on Facebook or playing with Twitter for two hours. It's finding that one thing that is taking your time away from marketing and replacing it with 15 minutes of marketing five minutes of marketing, whatever you can fit in. One thing I would recommend is to try the Pomodoro technique, actually, since you're talking, you know, 15, 20 oh, minutes. Oh, cool. Period, and do one Pomodoro. It's a 20-minute interval of marketing mm-hmm. a day. Just one. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and for those who don't know, so you set your timer for 20 minutes. You work hard and fast for those 20 minutes. And then you schedule in a five-minute break. And after, that's a Pomodoro. And after four of them, instead of a five-minute break, you would take a longer break, maybe 15 minutes, and or take your lunch break or whatever you need to do then. And I don't do that every day, but when I'm kind of, I just feel overwhelmed, that gets me through just about anything. 
Oh, it does. It, it's well, like it's this little focus. oasis that you're, you're walking toward, you know? It's like, oh, it's just 20 minutes. Like, well, you know, yeah. it's not a big deal. I can commit to 20 minutes of ass and tear. I can do this. Exactly. Yeah. And it's funny because that 20 minutes soon turns into 30, 40. And then you don't want to stop. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you, you don't even notice the time when you're working. Yeah. Exactly. You just Sometimes you just need something to push you to get into that. So mm-hmm. whatever the project is. So today we're going to cover our recommended resource a little bit early because, like I mentioned early on, Lori actually has an ebook called Marketing 365. And it's a collection of 365 marketing ideas that you can pull from to market yourself every day of the year if you want to, or every workday or whatever. You can pick and choose, and there are just amazing ideas in there. So, Lori, I'm going to leave it to you to tell them where they can find your ebook. Well, my ebook is at my blog. You can get the link to it there. It is at www.org wordsonpageblog.com and the link will be over in the right hand side of the page and from there you'll get to the sales page which will give you a little more information. Thank you so much Lori and thank you. For the record that is highly recommended and I will include a link directly to her sales page in the show notes for this episode which you'll be able to find at allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash seven. So, Lori, I had mentioned to you privately that I had a community question for this episode mm-hmm. from a member of an online forum that which has a lot of new writers. And I answered a question from someone there last episode, too. And this week, I have a question from somebody who goes by the handle Content Maestro. And you had agreed to help me answer this for him. Yeah, I did, yes. So here's what he asked. Which writing categories are generally more profitable or lucrative and which are not? And then he adds, we all know that one, writing articles doesn't fetch any decent money nowadays. Composing blog posts is a bit better. Forum posting is as good as dead. And two, writing sales copy, business plans, etc., is comparatively much higher paying. So I'm actually going to start this one out here, and I'm going to say he's dead right on forum posting being dead. (laughs) Um, That's never been a great freelance writing gig, and no, it certainly isn't now. And he's dead wrong on, which I've already told him privately, (laughs) but dead wrong on articles not fetching decent money. And I think the confusion there might be that he's referencing very basic SEO web content type of articles as opposed to what many of us would consider when we think of articles, magazine features, longer blog features, things along those lines. Now, Lori, you write for magazines, trade publications. So I want to let you tackle that about (laughs) the viability of article writing career these days. Well, I have to agree he's dead wrong. (laughs) Uh, In fact, last year, most of my income came from magazine articles, and it was because the ones I work for, I have chosen very carefully. I work for magazines that pay me enough. And that that's going to be a personal thing. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, 50 cents a word is plenty for me. And maybe it is. But for me, it's going to be 75 cents to a dollar or more. And 
I, I make sure when I choose my magazine that it's something that's going to interest me too. But I, I wouldn't say magazine writing is dead. It, it's anything but dead, especially in the trade field where I am. Uh, trade publications in particular are looking for people who are willing to learn their industry and people who are willing to get a little curious and excited about some pretty bland topics, if you must know. Uh, I, I've written more about workers' compensation than I ever cared to write, but, you know, it pays the bills, right? <laughs> so um, I, I would say, in general, the question he asked was which writing categories are more lucrative and which are not. I, I would say it depends, and it's going to depend mainly on you. What are you interested in? Because that is going to get you excited. And your excitement is going to translate into higher paying jobs if you're actively looking for jobs that pay more. <laughs> and, you know, it comes down to it. Any, any niche that we go into can be lucrative if you are finding the jobs that are worth your time and your, your effort. Exactly. Yeah. And that's just as true online. You know, it's important to say this isn't just magazines. This Absolutely. Is, online articles can pay exceptionally well, too. And mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I can say this, and but it needs to be repeated, I guess, again. <laughs> the best gigs are almost never advertised publicly. And that is because, A, they come from things like direct pitches, where a client might not even know that they need you as a writer until you pitch them. And B, these clients know that if they publish high-paying rate, high rates on a public job board, they are going to be swarmed from people who are not qualified because they're only motivated by the pay rate. And I've had clients of my own who have advertised for gigs and other niches that I don't cover come back to me and say, you know, oh my God, you know, we had hundreds of emails and I don't know how to handle this. (laughs) And it's like, can you just refer me to somebody instead? And it's like, you know, well, that's another way they get writers. They ask for referrals as soon as they learn the hard way that they're going to be bombarded, they don't do that anymore. So yes, you can find gems, but don't count on most of those gigs being publicly promoted. It just doesn't make any sense to me to spend a lot of time there. No, I would rather put together a letter of introduction telling people who I am, what I've done in the past. And then I like to add a little section that I call my research section. Now, what I do is I I go over what I've seen on their website and say, here's how I can help you because I've done similar things and the results that I've done for other clients have been positive. So, you know, if you're ever doing a, a project like this where you need help, please consider me. So let's move on to, you know, he mentions blog posts. Let's move on to blogging now. And Again, you have a lot of the same problems. A lot of blogging gigs are on these public job boards, and those do not represent the higher end of the professional market. Um, I'll give you an example. Not too long ago, I did a blog post for a client. It was meant to be a link bait post, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, something to drum up interest and shares on social media, things like that. And there actually wasn't even much writing involved. It was a huge resource collection. And it only took an hour and a half, two hours to do. Mm-hmm. And I was paid 540 for that one. So 
what does that come to? That's more than 200 bucks an hour. That's more than 250 an hour. And the reason that someone's willing to pay that kind of money for something like that is because there's value beyond direct income. They see value in the exposure that they're going to get, the social following that they're going to build, and email subscribers that they're going to get when people show up to their website, the kind of links they're going to get, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it really, it all adds up. And that's a real key here with blogging specifically is if you want to make big money, you can't focus on blogs who are all about, well, how much am I going to earn from this article directly? Those are the people who are going to pay you five bucks. You want to find people who understand real business value beyond the bottom line. And some people don't understand that value does not equal money. Value can be other things. You know, for example, for me, I came from that PR background. So I know how to find clients who are looking for PR value. They're looking for someone who can help them connect with certain audiences. And they're looking for someone who can help them build an authoritative reputation within their industry. If you can do things like that by ghostwriting a corporate blog or writing for a niche publication that needs experts, subject matter matter experts, and you happen to be one, that is where the money is. Bottom line here is that there's plenty of money in writing traditional articles. There's plenty of money in blogging gigs. Not so much in forum posting. (laughs) No. I never thought there was. I know. (laughs) But how that compares then to the other types of business writing that we do. You just mentioned white papers. Mm -hmm. You mentioned, you know, sales copy and business plans being a higher paying opportunity. And again, you know, something I covered on the blog a couple of years ago. Uh, This is a pretty common misconception Mm -hmm. that these things are always going to pay more. What happens is you have, now don't get me wrong, they can, they can pay fantastically. You can Mm -hmm. make thousands of dollars for a white paper or for a high quality sales letter. But the difference is that those projects also take longer. So ultimately you need to think about how much are you bringing per hour with each of these different types of gigs. It's going to depend on the client how much these things are going to pay. I have had clients who wanted to pay me something like a hundred bucks for five page case studies. That's Mm -hmm. nothing. That's not even worth picking up a pen for. Uh, And I've had clients who will pay me a dollar per word for the same type of case study. I mean, it doesn't take a a rocket scientist to figure out which job you should be taking. But just because it says case study on it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to add up to big dollars. It is Mm -hmm. going to depend on who's writing the check. Exactly. And that is, you know, one of the most fundamental things in marketing freelance services is that you can't simply market a service type. It is all about your target market. Exactly. Because you could write blog posts and be paid five bucks. You could write blog posts for, you know, go straight for corporate clients for 500 or more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're both blogging gigs. And if you just advertise yourself as a blogger, well, you know, what's going to set you apart? What's going to make you worth those higher paying gigs as opposed to somebody who's writing for $5 or $50 or anywhere in between. Mm -hmm. And it's all about differentiating yourself and knowing exactly who you want to write for, exactly what their needs are and exactly what influences them to pay the kind of rates that you want to charge. 
And it's what you want to charge. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking that the rate that is offered is the one they have to take. Create the rate for your business. This is your business. And if you let someone else determine how much you're going to earn, you might as well be an employee in someone's office. This is why I hate it when I see prospects, not my prospects, but people on forums or social media who start telling writers in general, well, these are average rates or typical rates. I was like, no, sweetie, you don't know what typical no. rates are because no, you're basing it. Yeah. And you're basing it on what you're seeing online or what you've paid in the past and had people willing to write for, which is very, very different than typical rates for someone with your particular experience or credentials. You need to figure out how much you need to make. And right. again, go to allindywriters.com slash resources there is a freelance writing calculator, rate calculator on that page. And there's an advanced mode that can help you calculate all of your personal and business expenses, your savings goals, everything you need to account for to figure out what you need to charge hourly in every billable hour of your week. And once you figure out that, you can convert that rate into per word rates, per page rates, per article rates, per project rates, whatever once you figure out how long those things are going to take you to complete. Yeah, I've used those calculators at your website too. And what I like about them is that they allow you to control your own destiny there. You, You can put in whatever number you think is going to work and you can see whether it will or not. And, you know, if you're comfortable with making 30,000 a year because of where you live and how much you need, then who's to say that's not right? Exactly. And, you know, some of the things, too, is, you know, I set it up with the intention of helping writers come up with the minimum that they need to charge to cover their living expenses. Because the problem is so many writers don't understand that what you earn as a freelancer is not the same thing as what you would earn as an employee. 30000 freelancing is not the same as 30000 mm-hmm. from an employer. And when I did research at the time into the actual cost of an employee, to an employer, as in not just the salary, but the salary plus the benefits and typical bonuses, I found out that you had to add 30 to 40% onto that employee's salary to get an equivalent freelance earning. Oh, absolutely. It was was surprising. I didn't think Mm -hmm. it would be that big of a difference. But if you truly want all things equal, like having those health benefits and retirement savings, you have to account for those things. You mm-hmm. finally figure out what it is that you need to be charging and that you've accounted for any kind of a premium that you have. Um, you can do that with the rate calculator by simply increasing how much you want to set aside in savings, for example. Um, or I like to tack 10% onto whatever a base rate it comes up, mm-hmm. whatever base rate it comes up with, because there are always going to be unexpected times or, you know, you never know if something's going to dry up at some point. Definitely. So you want to account for that. But once you have that number, that should be your base. And you don't have to take on clients that can't pay at least that much. It doesn't matter if that's what most people, if most people say they don't want to pay that much, that's fine. You're not targeting the right people. And sometimes making more is simply a matter of targeting different clients. That is so true. That is so true. And, you know, I I think a lot of freelancers, especially the ones who are just beginning, think that they have to accept every single thing that comes to them because, hey, it's money in front of me. I have to take it. I have to build that portfolio. 
Well, if it pays you nothing or if it pays you 10 bucks for 40 hours of work, why are you doing it? I, I do have to ask that. I remember early in my career, I took on probably one of the most god-awful jobs ever. I was writing an insurance licensing course, which should have paid me massive amounts of money. I think I got 3500 bucks out of it, and it wow. took me months. Oh, my god! It took me months. And I learned right then and there, never underprice yourself, because the moment you do, somebody else is benefiting off of your hard work. I mean, I, you know, I understand where they're coming from in the sense that, oh, I need money now. Sure. I remember what it was like having to pay rent and wondering where it was going to come from in the very beginning. But, you know, the sooner you start to respect yourself by charging what you're worth, the sooner you're going to start connecting with other people who value you and respect you enough to pay you what you're worth. Right. There's no time to go look for a client who will pay you more. And, you know, I would hear that from writers all the time. It was, mm-hmm. well, I don't have time to market myself. And it's like, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm busy turning out eight articles a day. And it's like, oh, well, stop. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> That's what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's it's, it's funny. A lot of, I, I still can't get over that people say marketing is so hard and so time consuming. I do what I call stealth marketing sometimes. And it's it's some of the most successful marketing I do. If you're wanting to start out simply, the best way is to show up and befriend someone. And, you know, it's kind of funny that you say that because the forum that this guy who asked our question today posted Mm -hmm. the question on actually is the forum where I first started out with my PR firm when when I switched from music PR into focusing more on online business owners. I was hanging out in this forum. It was funny because I was hanging out in this forum to learn mm-hmm. more about running websites because I was running them for my music PR firm. And I was like, wow, you know, these people really need PR help. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. They were just starting to learn about press releases and hearing about them for the first time. And online press release distribution was still very new. Mm-hmm. And I was specializing in online PR and in early social media consulting and things before that was the thing to do. And so I was like, oh, well, I'm in a great position here. Oh, yeah. So I spent time in there helping people, answering questions, teaching them how to go about press release writing and distribution correctly so that they didn't come across as spammers, so that they didn't mm-hmm. end up you know, wasting time writing things that were being rejected, so they'd actually get media coverage. And I built such a solid reputation there that they, clients just flocked to me. Isn't and a lot of the cl- clients from my PR firm then who I found that way stayed with me for PR writing and I still work with some of them. Nice. <laughs> so, I mean, you you can't beat that if you get in first and that doesn't mean you have to be the first mm-hmm. press release writer or white paper writer or whatever. But if you're the first to really focus in on a specific client group, in this case, it was like solopreneurs who are running mm-hmm. online businesses who just didn't have anybody who was catering to them yet. If you can find that group that hasn't had anybody in your particular specialty area catering to them and you step in and fill that void and teach them, have conversations, educate them, answer their questions, you become the resource that they can't live without. And when they need to hire someone, it's you. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because that's one of the tips in in my book is to become a resource for for clients and for potential clients. And and the people around you, the people you contact, 
they may not buy from you today, as I said before, but you know, five years from now, you may be the perfect fit for them. But, you know, there's another point that I like to make. If you have a website that's just sitting there and not attracting attention, you know, customers love quizzes. Throw a short quiz up there. I know that's myself, I, I would go flying to a website just to answer three stupid questions. I mean, they don't even have to. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's something about a quiz. You want to feel smart. You want to get the answers right, you know. <laughs> and and people really respond well to quizzes. So if if you have a brief quiz, and I mean brief, don't give them a 20-question drilling. <laughs> you know? If you have just a, a really short quiz to put up there to ask them what their marketing efforts are or or, you know, just ask them what kinds of writing they intend to put in their next marketing plan. You, not only are you going to get an answer from them, you might also get them thinking, hey, maybe we need to be thinking about putting something new up in front of our customers. Especially because content marketing right now is such a big deal. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, but that, that's such a cool idea that, you know, even the, you know, I, I feel like, oh, I've done everything. I've tried everything marketing-wise. I never <laughs> would have thought of that. I never would have thought of that. That's cool. So, you know, to close out on the question that was submitted for this episode, yes, business writing can pay a lot, but so can article writing and blogging. And it's important not to feel like you have to choose between the two of them based only because one always pays more. It all comes down to individual clients and your particular experience, your credentials, and how you are able to market yourself. But you can That's make nice. the money you need to make doing either. So choose what you really want to do and then find the right clients. That's uh, and that's, that's so important because if you don't love what you're doing, it is going to show in your writing. Well, I want to thank you for having me, Jen. I really appreciate it and I enjoyed it. I hope it was a useful conversation for listeners. I know I appreciated your insight and I hope that everybody else did too. And I hope that you will come back. Absolutely. I'd like to thank Lori again for stopping by today as my guest here on the All Indie Writers Podcast. And I'd like to invite you to submit your own questions to be answered on a future episode. You can submit questions online through a contact form found at allindiewriters.com slash podcast. You can shoot me an email at jen, which is J-E-N-N, at allindiewriters.com. Or you can leave me a voicemail at 484 575-1345. You can also access this podcast and related audio productions by visiting freelancetheater.com. You've been listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with Jen Mattern, a freelance theater production. Freelance Theater. It's all writers need for life's little episodes.